Hello, Mr. Clay Well. How are you doing today, Mr. Ham? Dude, I am great. It's I mean, the weather's good. It's hot. Finally, we getting we're getting some heat. Yeah. Of course, the pollen is going to take us out. The, I mean, it's trying. We're, we, we've surf, survived COVID thus far, but I think the pollen's going to take me out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we got. The, and if the pollen doesn't get you, apparently, from everything I'm reading, the ticks will. Oh yeah, yeah. I, Dude, I've got a uh, um, an, an in law mm-hmm. that on their wedding day ended up with a Lone Star bite, and it now has the uh, allergy to red meat. So no um, steak, no pork, like breaks out in hives whenever they, they eat that, whenever she eats that now. So, yeah, fun. Okay. So what so a friend of mine has been posting about this for a while, like three or four years, but I thought it was Lyme disease. No, that's completely separate, completely different, a, a different thing. This obviously this or this thing evidently um, like when the bite happens, whatever enzyme that this tick leaves behind mm-hmm. triggers a, a reaction in your body that makes you allergic to red meat yeah. it's not lyme disease because lyme disease is you know that, that's just a, a whole nother disease oh so okay. yeah yeah a friend of mine a good friend of mine uh from back in high school has, has the last two or three years has been posting about having to change their diet because they can't eat red meat anymore because of a tick bite. Yep, that's but that's a they thing. Never, it, it's called Lone Star. The Lone Star tick is the one that carries this. Oh, it's called the Lone Star tick. Yes, the Lone Star tick carries. Is it this. from Texas? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Lord, I have no clue. <laughs> Everything will kill you in Texas, right? <laughs> but no, is, is, it, is it a tick that's like the size of a softball no, that's the or thing. something? It's or? tiny. Like um, so. We go, you know, we take our dogs to the vet quite often and she has these little cards that have like the different types of ticks and what they carry. And the Lone Star is one of the smaller ones that's on that. So it's like deer tick size. Um, Yeah, about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it was, I mean, yeah, crazy stuff. Crazy. Yeah. He's he's been posting about it for years, struggling with it. And his wife has to try to find all these alternative recipes when they make food. Yep. And he's been really excited about Impossible Meat. Exactly. That's the, have you tried it? I haven't yet, because just because it's so expensive. Okay, so um, there's one place here in town that is selling Impossible Burgers that are um, it, it's it's um, White Castle. They have yeah. Impossible Sliders, dude. Those things are so tasty. They are so good. Everybody of course, they're says it's twice good. the price of a normal slider, but still, I thought I'm going to try it just simply to say that I have tried the Impossible Meat. It yeah, is think, so good. I think you can get it at Taco Bell. You can have them substitute Impossible Meat for ground beef. That's cool. Uh, I think Burger King has an Impossible Whopper. It's. Uh, I mean, so, if they're all just, as good as the White Castle version, it is really tasty. Well, another friend of mine. Different, different guy. Yeah. Uh, has tried. He says every time he eats impossible meat. Yeah. It gives him the runs. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to try it or not, because my stomach sometimes can be really finicky. <laughs> try so, it when you're at home one day, like go get get you a slider or something and bring it home and eat. <laughs> is it truly a slider? Let's find out. <laughs> but no, it's really good. Um, and like, so at, at Easter, whenever they all the family came here, you know, we we had um Ashley's side of the family, my a couple of people from my side of the family. Um, mm-hmm. like I did the big prime rib, you know, the mm-hmm. the rib roast, and um we had to do like chicken as well because yeah, she was like, Yeah, I can't eat any of that. So it was it was it's different, but yeah. That's just crazy to me that a tick can bite you 
and make and you allergic. After that, you can't have red meat anymore. <laughs> like, that's insane. And there's got to be a fix for it. There, somewhere out there, there has to be a fix. I, I, do, but do you, does it really need to be a fix, though? I mean, it's it's got to kind of force you into a slightly healthier diet. Well, I mean, this is true. This is true. And with like well, what you're saying, the, the invent of, of impossible meat, right. that stuff is phenomenal. So, I mean, I would be totally fine switching over to that completely myself. Cause I mean, I'll don't get me wrong. I love a good ribeye or something like that, but still as far as just flavor and texture, it's, it's really, really good. Right. And another thing I learned about impossible, uh, because there's been other meat substitutes, but there's specifically that really intrigued me was they put beet juice to man the burger, to color it, to, so that when you bite it, it gives that red juicy juice. Huh. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, just for that extra bit of that you know, is authenticity. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so some of the stuff they did with that is is really cool. So this is a little bit off topic, but it's uh, just we were just chatting about this, and it it's brought me to mind something else that we talked about on a previous episode of the podcast was lab grown meat. Yes, and if they're Growing meat in a lab, you got to kind of wonder, could they genetically alter the the meat so that people with these kinds of allergies could still eat it? Oh, now that might be something like change the enzymes or whatever it is. That, yeah, that change they, the proteins that or the whatever. allergic reaction is, yeah. is, is, is it's interacting with that. I mean, that's po- I guess it's possible. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, because there are honestly, so many things that are happening right now in in the science world and and technology. Um, I don't know if we've talked about it before, but um, I was listening to you know public radio. This has been weeks ago, and they were talking, of course, with this whole COVID situation. We've not had a flu season whatsoever. Like flu season this year was like non-existent because everyone was masked, everyone was social distanced, everyone was sanitizing, and it's it, it basically we just did not transmit anything. Right. So um, they were talking specifically though about. What do you do with um, these new strains of possibly COVID or flu or anything else that's coming out that, that, you know, these these breakaway strands? How do you start to tamp that down? And um, the technology that they used to create the vaccines that we have now, they were saying we should be able to start using those um, in a setting where effectively – Mr. Claywell walks into the the clinic not feeling well. They are able to pull a blood sample. They analyze the blood sample. They identify exactly what strain of flu he has. Then they will effectively have what they call like a vaccine printer that will instantly create a vaccine for that strand of flu that you have. So you get exactly what you need, and then they will be able to use that in that community to tamp down that strand right there. So they're thinking that maybe within the next couple of years, they'll be able to customize vaccines for specific areas so that way you don't have these widespread events anymore, which would be freaking phenomenal. But, yeah, so so kind of like a 3D printer for for, va- for vaccination. Think more like um, um, think more like um, just like a a laser printer where you'd have multiple colors, 
and it would right. be, have just different types of, of you know, um, antibodies in there. And it would say, oh, well, you know, it's responding to this. So it would it would give those. Well, right. But so so but they're using the mRNA technology, right, that for that they used to develop the covid vaccine. That's right. what you're saying. Right. Yes. So, yeah. So it would be so they would. So essentially what they would do is DNA sequence the virus and right then directly create. A vaccine, a vaccine for, that. for that genetic sequenced virus, right then, which is would be phenomenal, would be right. amazing. So, and since we're going to since we're since we're shooting off on vaccines <laughs> and stuff, uh, <laughs> just we'll just round the horn here. Another one that that has gotten my attention recently, and I don't know if you've heard about this or not, but there's a new conspiracy theory out. Since we do occasionally talk about conspiracy theories, <laughs> what are you talking that's, about? <laughs> uh, that's just, I mean, I heard this one. I, I, I couldn't believe when I heard it. <clears throat> okay. Like, like sincerely, I, I, I was like, are you kidding me? This dumbfounded you, huh? Uh, so, you know, there was all these people that they're not going to get vaccinated, that the vaccine is a government chip that's going to yeah. track you or whatever the crazy nonsense that they believed it was. Exactly. Uh, those same people, and they weren't going to wear a mask because right. it didn't do any good. It was stupid. It was pointless. So those same type of people, <laughs> uh, and this is not a joke. This I'm is seeing real. the look on your face is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> those, those same type of people are now going to start wearing masks. Oh, yeah. Because all these people that are getting the vaccines... Are going to start COVID? transmitting something that's <clears throat> even worse. <laughs> that when you exhale, if you've had the vaccine, you're exhaling a protein. <laughs> and if you haven't been vaccinated, you can inhale that protein and it will vaccinate you by inhaling the protein that's exhaled by someone who is vaccinated. So even though a mask is not effective enough to stop a virus... It's going to be effective enough to stop a protein that you're being exhaling. exhaled from a vaccinated person. <laughs> and the Darwin Award goes to. <laughs> well, honestly, you know what I say about this? Sincerely, uh, I, if it I, makes them wear a mask, good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly if, if it gets them to wear a mask, I don't care what kind of insane logic pushes it. As long as they're wearing a mask, I'm happy. Like I'm, I'm double vaccinated. Oh Got both my shots. Yep. I still wear a mask. Yeah, just to take the precaution. Yeah, you know. And but yeah, so that was just insane to me that people are like, <laughs> oh, "You're going to get a protein from a vaccinated person, and it's going to force the vaccination on you. So you got to wear a mask to stop." I'm like, you know what? I don't even care as long as just you're wearing a mask. Wow, just wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the the chain of logic that has to go through, like. You're I, using I a word that I don't think that they that 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 is that should be used there. Logic is not that's not even part of that equation. <laughs> well, and uh, you know, I just that's one of the things. That's a whole nother podcast episode, honestly. Uh, but this just how do people sincerely believe some of these things? I don't know. Like, I mean, I have no idea. Like, how can you go that far down the rabbit hole? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, how can to you a point go, to where the light is gone, you know? Yeah. Like, how can you get so far down that you think the earth is flat? Yeah. Or 
you know, some of this other here's stuff. The, here's the craziest like, thing. So that that right there, you know, people all around the world think that there there are people all around the world that think the world world is flat. Yeah. In that in that that one line, all around the world. Yeah. Well, it's still shaped like a circle. Oh. It's just a flat circle. Oh my gosh. It's it kills me, dude. Mm-hmm. I I literally just it it <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't get it either. So oh. I, you know, and it's not <laughs> the thing, the thing that gets me is some of these people aren't dumb. No, a lot of them are not. They are, uh, they are how, smart people <laughs> that do stupid things. But, but I don't understand how you can reason yourself that far out of I don't touch know. with reality. Like I, I could I, get, I, I could get like one step removed. You know, I could understand. I can understand somebody not trusting the vaccine because of how rapidly it was developed and approved. Right. I can understand that. But to say that <laughs> it it's going to it's got a government tracking chip in it or it's going to make you breathe a protein that vaccinates somebody else that breathes in your exhalations like I'm just, what? Yeah. 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 Like it's crazy, dude. It, it's crazy. So yeah, it's just like I I can understand to a point but then there's a point where I'm just like, you have gone totally off the rails, cuckoo bananas. <laughs> like you left reason a long, a time, long ago. time ago. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, anyway, like I said, uh, conspiracy whole, theories is a whole different. Thing. That is a whole nother. Yeah. And we probably should do another one of those eventually because I really, really, really enjoy that stuff. And, um, there's been a few that I've, I've I've kind of been reading up on a little mm-hmm. bit, so uh, maybe we should do another one here in the next few episodes. Yeah, sure, totally. I'm okay. down for it. Okay. The only the uh, honestly the only thing that's kind of <clears throat> pushed me back from those is is stuff like QAnon oh, and things and that, that stuff gets crazy. Well, yeah, but I mean it's all, that's but it's all conspiracy theories. And, and and stuff like QAnon and all that, it's just, you know, they take what for me is a fun and funny kind of a thing, you know, to look at a look at these conspiracy theories and, you know, I can just kind of laugh at them because they are ridiculous. They're 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 silly. Yeah, yeah. But someone and, out there is going, oh no, but that's real. It's yeah. it's real. That can get kind of scary. But. Yeah, and it's like some places have, well, specifically that one entity has like weaponized it yeah and and you've got these social media sites like facebook and youtube that the algorithms yeah thrive on that that's exactly what those algorithms are the designed more clicks to do. they get the more they push it <laughs> so yeah exactly well and not just that but they'll push they'll take a person and when you start watching this video it, sug- that. it suddenly suggests, oh, wait a minute, you liked this. Right, exactly. So yeah. so it's the algorithm is designed to maximize your attention, to keep you watching as long as you can. So it pushes more and more radical and extreme content because, you know, one of the easiest ways to get a view is outrage. True. Like outrage drives viewership. So the algorithm pushes more outrageous content to keep you watching, to get you riled up so that you watch more so that you feel more part of the, and that's just like, it just fuels itself and grows and grows. And it's like an Aurora Boris. 
just, and eventually you're down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And the light is gone. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I understand how the algorithm works, but I don't understand how people get swallowed like that. Like, I just, like I said, I can understand a step or two. Right. And, 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 and doubting. Like th- that's human nature to doubt and need proof and all that. But, but do the research, do a little research. Well, but that's what just, those people say. That's that, what the, that's, like, that's what saying, a flat earther will say yeah. is like, Oh, well, we'll just, you just do, the re- do the research and you'll find it. Well, da, da, da. Or, or you're just a sheeple because you believe what the media tells you that the earth is, yeah. is a sphere. Well, if you do your research, like that's the, and that's the, that's the exact thing. Like they, they believe that their research proves Whatever yeah. it is that they're trying to prove, and and, and it, it, it's it's mind-boggling. It, it, it really is. is. Yeah. And it, but again, okay, sorry. That's like a whole other thing. So, recently in my life, <laughs> I am now officially hitched. You are hitched. You I have got the, the ring. I got the ring on my finger. Listen, listen. Can you guys hear this? Oh yeah. <laughs> Congratulations! Thank you. It went great too. I mean, there was one point like when we were standing outside when an ambulance went by and everybody was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "Oh gosh, that's really, 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 really loud!" And they're getting ready to live stream this, and then it was like gone, and then everything went really well. I mean, it's very smooth. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you were able to be there. Me too. Me too. It was. It was very, very, very. what would be the word? I don't know. It was it was just extremely nice to just witness. It was oh, very Thank very. You. I mean, I don't know. It was f- fulfilling to witness. Thank you. So it, yeah. as I, you know, I'm forty one. Yeah, 40, you're you're you're, you're, you're younger than I am. So forty one. Okay, I'm forty one, <laughs> and I've never been married. A lot of people don't believe that, but. Yeah, I'm 41 years old, never been married. She's 41 years old, never been married. Yeah, both of our first times at 41 years of age to be to be wed, and it, it's just one of those things that everything. And I think everything went well. There were a few little hiccups, uh, but nothing, nothing major. Technological hiccups, nothing with right. the ceremony itself. There was a few problems with some of the technology in the background, but. And of course, with any wedding, any major event like that, there's going to be some stressful things that happen. So I'm, I'm assuming that everything went well as far as the honeymoon goes. Oh, yeah. From yeah. one place to another, even with the, the gas shortage and everything else. So, yeah, we ran we ran smack into uh, the four states that were affected by the Colonial Pipeline hack. Right smack into the four states we were going to. Yep. Uh, we There were a few gas stations along the way that were out of gas. But not all of them. So we were we never had any trouble finding gas, Good. and we never really needed gas. Like I right. I kept filling up when we had about a half tank. That's that's what everyone um, said to do. Pretty much like even like in the media they were saying, you know, act, uh, um, treat a half a tank of gas like an empty tank. Go ahead and fill up. Right. So yeah. And, and yeah, and we never had any problems with that. Uh, so I can tell everybody now, we had a couple of days there. Uh, we, we got married in Gatlinburg and we had a few days in the cabin there in Gatlinburg and we just got to enjoy the mountains and the scenery and the quietness being out way away from everybody where we were and right. just relax. And that was nice. Uh, then we had one night in Atlanta. 
we went to the Georgia Aquarium, the only aquarium maybe in the country, but definitely in the southeast that has whale sharks. Oh, cool. And they have three whale sharks in there. They have a pod of beluga whales, a pod of dolphins. Uh, the dolphins have been trained and they do a, a live show every few hours throughout the day that you can go watch and they do all kinds of little tricks and stuff. And that was amazing. That's cool. <clears throat> and uh, she, Rebecca, my wife, your wife <laughs> <laughs> loves dolphins. So when I booked the trip, I made sure to get tickets to the dolphin show. Right. And we were getting there, parked the car, and I was like, come on, we got to go, we got to go. And she's like, why are you in such a hurry? I'm like, because we have tickets for a, a show that starts, and we have to be there. So come on, we got to go. And she's like, what kind of show? And I said, they have dolphins. And she got so excited, and she was so happy. And she was like, dolphins, oh boy, yeah, we're going to go see the dolphins. Are you kidding me? Are you seriously? We get to see dolphins? And I'm like, yeah, and they do tricks. And she was like, all excited. And she was kind of skipping and jumping and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's great. And uh, so, you know, in bigger cities, they have those delivery grates in the sidewalk, right? Where the the metal thing opens up and there's stairs down. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Well, built into those, there's a little post. And when they open it, they put a handrail there. Okay. So that they go up and down the stairs, they've got a handrail. The handrail on this one stuck up out of the ground, the, 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 the hole, the post for the handrail to go in, stuck up out of the ground about an inch and a half. <laughs> and she was, dolphins, are you serious? And stepped right on the edge of that pipe that stuck up out of the ground and rolled her ankle. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. As we were going into the aquarium. <laughs> and bless her heart. She soldiered through it, but when we got back to the room after the aquarium, there was probably a baseball size My knot swelled gosh. up on the side of her ankle. Good Lord, dude. And I mean, she rolled it hard. So, I mean, and I guess that affected the rest of the trip altogether, too, didn't it? She kept good spirits, but it helped. It, it, I mean, so, <laughs> so the after the aquarium... Uh, I had us a hotel booked in Folly Beach in right. Charleston, South right. Carolina. And the hotel was on Folly Beach. Right. On what they called the third floor. I would call it the fourth floor. Because yeah, because the there's the bottom floor is actually like stilts, right? Well, no, no, no. Or kind so, of like it. So you've got the stilts and then the ground floor. Okay. So the ground floor is actually at the top of a flight of stairs. Yeah, right. And then there's three stories. Yeah, because, um, I mean, the Folly Beach is prone <laughs> to flooding. So, right. Yeah. So what they called the third floor was actually up four flights of stairs. Wow. And it was a walk-up only. Yay. I didn't know she was going to roll her ankle. <laughs> I mean, this is these are things that happen, though, I guess, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> Four flights of stairs up to the room. The room, and I called ahead. the The hotel was just amazing. The staff was so friendly. They had the room set up for us. Yeah, we had champagne, chocolate covered strawberries. Oh, nice! When we checked in, the room had a private balcony that overlooked the Folly River. Yep. There was a dock out there with sailboats tied up. So picturesque. Yeah. If you walk to the left side of the balcony, you could see 
the ocean. Yeah. Right. I mean, we were like right on the tip of the island down there. Right. <clears throat> and it was just gorgeous. Yeah. Folly Beach is one of the most beautiful places. It, it was so beautiful. I mean, in the room, in the room, the, we had a fireplace, a gas fireplace. Yeah. Uh, rainfall shower, whirlpool tub. <laughs> uh, it was just. Uh, they had a couple very, of bean nice. bags, so you could just throw the bean bags out on the balcony and just flop down and just listen to the ocean. And uh, we did that. Yeah, it was a, it was that was cool. While we were there, I booked us a charter on a sailboat. Yeah, so we had our own, just the two of us and the captain. We had a catamaran all to ourselves. That's awesome. We went sailing down the Folly River. Did you actually go out to see any at all? No, just no? on the river. Just on the river. Just on the river. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a huge. It was a sixteen footer. Oh, okay. So it wasn't okay. like ocean. Uh, yeah, but it. I don't care. That was probably honestly one of the coolest things I've done. That's awesome. Just to sit on the sailboat. I mean, I've been on boats. I I was raised on a lake, basically, yeah. and so we've been on the boats and all that my whole life, and you know. I'm so used to when you're on a boat, all you hear is just the motor just just constant go constant. And, you know, once we got away from the dock, he killed the motor and you never heard another sound. Yeah. Just just the wind in the sails. You just heard you would hear the the (coughs) waves lapping on the pontoons. Yeah. And occasionally when he would tack, the sail would pivot. Yeah. You know, from left to right. And you you would hear that. You would hear that. Yeah, that's awesome. And the, but that was it. That was the only sound you ever heard. And we and it was like two, two and a half hours. Dude, that's awesome. Sunset sail. We saw five or six different dolphins. Yeah. A couple of groups of dolphins, pods, I guess is yeah. what they're called. Um, it was just, it was so beautiful. So if you're ever out there, um, if you're ever in Folly Beach and you want to do something like that, I can highly recommend sail folly with captain johnny yeah really good time the dude was super friendly you know if we asked him questions he was very knowledgeable he would answer us if we wanted to sit and just enjoy the scenery he was quiet and just let us do our thing so i mean it was just very cool experience all the way around okay so i have to ask you something because I'm I'm I love Charleston. Charleston is one of my favorite places on the planet. Okay. Like I would move there tomorrow if I could. I <laughs> right. love the place. So, did you get to go to Hyman's Seafood? And um, there, there was another restaurant that you were talking about wanting to go to as well. Right. Yep. And so, did you get to go to both? I I did get to go to both. What yep. did you think? Hyman's was really good. the The staff was phenomenal. Yes. Our waitress was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, Did you get to meet Eli Hyman? The, the no, owner? we went right at closing time. Ah, uh, yeah, he's was, probably already gone yeah, at that point. Yeah, but our waitress was still phenomenal. Yeah, the food was really good. Yeah, yeah, really, uh, really good. They do everything uh, fresh. It's so good. So we had fried green tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, shrimp and grits yeah. for appetizer. And then like a full spread, like bunch of different stuff for the entree. Like I got right. one of their like one of their combo platters. platters that had yeah. like clams, crab, fish, shrimp. Yeah, and yeah, I think. And then uh, we had bread pudding and key lime pie. That sounds so good. I can't wait to go. I'm going in like it three so weeks. Yeah. I can't and wait then, to go. <laughs> and then we went to Hannibal's. 
That's the other one, Hannibal's. Yeah, okay, so you're going to have downtown. to send me like a, a, a link or something for that because I, I want to look at that. So Hannibal's, ah, it's not what I thought it would be. Oh, yeah? It was good. It was really good food. But it, it's billed as a good place to get Gullah Geechee food. Right, which is which is like an African eth- African ethnic yeah uh, cuisine. Uh, I, they're remodeling the restaurant while we were there, and their menu had been abbreviated because of COVID, so they didn't have a lot of the traditional Golagichi food. Really? Yeah, like I was so I was set. I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted oxtail. Yep. And red rice, and they didn't have any oxtail. <sighs> So I did get ribs, yeah, which were phenomenal. Cool. I got the red rice and collard greens, and so it was really is, good. What is red rice? Just it's. I don't know what's in it. I mean, it's just rice. Yeah. I don't know what the spice they put in it, but it just makes it red. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's a little smoky, a little sweet, almost it's, a paprika kind of a flavor. <sighs> that's what that kind of sounds I, like. It might be paprika. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm I, I've had paprika, but I can't really say that I know what paprika tastes <laughs> okay. like. Uh, it might be just smoked paprika, and yeah. that's what makes it red. I don't know. But there's some other stuff in there, too. Like there, I think there was some red beans in there as well. Okay. Okay. Um, but it was really good. The, the food was still really good. It's just not like I really wanted like traditional like oxtail. Yes. And they just didn't have it. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed with that. Um Okay. But yeah, and then uh, I went to Angel Oak while I I was there. I don't know what that is. It's a specific type of oak tree, and I can't remember exactly what the species is called. Is that with the moss hanging out of it and all that kind of stuff? No, that's just Spanish moss. It can grow on any tree. I know the live oak or the whatever they, or the ones that kind of go up, they come back almost down to the ground and then back out again. Yeah, it's that. Species, okay, yes. and yeah. and it goes underground. Yes. Like the branches will just disappear underground, and then like three feet, they pop back up and yes. come back out again. And that's yeah, it's that okay. species of oak tree. Okay, yeah. Uh, the main trunk is twenty five feet in diameter. Oh my gosh! And the tree itself is like seventy feet tall, give or take. Yeah. And that and the branches, I mean, it spreads out massive. And yeah, I was there. I went kind of early in the day. There were several people there. Yeah. It wasn't packed, but it's just on a farm. And the hmm. angel, the angel is the name of the people that own the land. Okay. So it's it's the angel oak. It's just the their last name is Angel. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and it's on their farm, and it's you can donate if you wish, but you can just drive up and go and take a look and take pictures and all that stuff and. There were several people there when I was there, it, but what blew my mind is even, I mean, it wasn't a huge number of people. It's just a tree. Right. So there wasn't like a huge Not like number it, of it wasn't drawing a massive crowd. But right. It was, but there was probably 30 to 40 people there okay. while I was there and we were all standing under one tree. Yeah. And, but I don't know, the place itself just has this peaceful yeah. energy to it it's just really tranquil and calm and everyone was considerate yep like before anybody would just go walking through like they would look around and make sure that they weren't going to walk in front of somebody's picture 
nobody was like, hey, mom, how are you doing? You know, everybody was speaking in lower tones, just being really respectful. You know, I get that whole that vibe from Charleston in general. And I know there's probably a, I mean, a lot of the people that were there at that, I'm sure, were like tourists that had come into that area. So, but I I mean, honestly, that's one of the things that, that I think that's one of the unspoken things of Charleston is that Southern hospitality, respect for other people, and just that there's an energy there, but it's a calm energy. And it's, to me, that that's what draws me to that place more so than anything else. Right. Well, if you go to Angel Oak, it's it's ten minutes from downtown Charleston. Yeah, and you can just Google it, and they'll take you right to it. That place specifically, like Charleston, I yeah, I, I never felt big city vibe. No, from Charleston, no. like you know Atlanta or Chicago or something like that. Like right. I never felt that like hectic. No, everything is more laid back. Yeah, everything felt really calm, laid back, peaceful. Yep. But that place specifically was just like. It like it forced tranquility on you. That's awesome. And it was just, it was so beautiful. And I, dude, I probably took 200 pictures while I was there just trying to do it justice (laughs) and failed miserably, but I tried. Uh, But yeah. And so we, but we had such a good trip. That's great, man. Like, I, I really felt an even deeper connection with her after the honeymoon. Like it, it really was just solidified a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it did. And and it's, I think, yeah. you know, before I always thought the honeymoon was just a chance to go off and be frivolous and have fun. No, but it's, 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 a, it's a connection. It is a, it is once everything is said and done, all of the craziness of, of, of planning a wedding and going through all of that. It's the decompression time. Yeah. It's the decompression and the solidifying of these two people are now one. <laughs> right. And so. when we got back, I did really feel that. Like, I felt like we had become closer together. Yeah. With the trip. Like, we've gone on trip. We've gone on vacation together before. Yeah, but that's vacation. It's yeah. It's different. Yeah. This, I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, this truly felt different. Like, yeah. it, like I really felt. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. It was and and I loved everything we did. Killing time in Gallenberg. The aquarium was awesome. Charleston yeah. was amazing. Good. Like even though there was gas shortages and people were losing their minds and putting <laughs> gas in plastic bags <laughs> and throwing it in their trunks and all that nonsense. <laughs> like we were calm and happy and having a really good time. So And that's that's the bottom line of it right there. That's yeah. awesome. Good yeah. deal. So, well, congratulations on the nuptials. And, oh, thank you. And, I mean, welcome to the club. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> I've been in it for next year. It's going to be 20 years, so 19 years uh, in What's August. that one? What's 20? 25 uh, silver. What's? I don't know. Um, Caribbean vacation. <laughs> oh, hey. Okay. I can go with that. <laughs> oh, goodness. But, yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm glad that everything went well and that you guys, you know, that that there was a connection and everything went smooth, even with the reeled ankle. So, yeah, yeah, that was pretty gnarly. But she kept a good spirit. She still had a good time. Like we even get, went on the sailboat after that, and yep. uh, and yeah, it was really she really did have a good time. Awesome. So. 
All right, so do you want to kind of get down to the meat and potatoes of, of what this episode was actually supposed to be whenever we started it? And <laughs> I mean, Okay, so I've hijacked half of it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, all right, so we talked a couple of, of episodes back about um, this book that, that um, we've both kind of been looking at. Um, it's called The Pig That Wants to Be Eaten. It's little philosophical anomalies and and and, and um, brain exercises and things of that nature and we have chosen a couple we random actually when choose we randomized a list and um mr claywell what the top two that was on the list we're going to cover today right and i figured so, that'd be the easiest way for us to keep track of yeah because we, we don't have to have a big hassle about which ones we're going to do right and we just so. knock off the, these two um right. off the list and we'll randomize it again that's how we'll do it whenever we do another one of these because yeah uh, there's a lot that's in this book. I mean, each one of these little synopsis are a page, a piece. Right. And there's a lot that can be said about them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be fun. So <laughs> how, do you, how do you want to do this? Do you want to read the first one? I'll read the second one. Or do sure. you want to read the second one? I'll read the first. How? No matter no, to me. I'll, re- I'll read the first one. All right. All right. So this first one, uh, it, it, and I'll, I will try to attribute these the best I can understand from the from the material. Um, this first one is, I believe from a philosopher, Jeremy Bentham. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's where this comes from. And the author of this book uh, is Julian Beghini. And they state that the title of this chapter or this scenario is pains remains. And here is the scenario. (laughs) The tension in the auditorium was palpable as the doctor donned his mask and gloves and prepared to take his needle and thread to the unconscious, or sorry, to the conscious patient's strapped down leg. As he pushed the needle through the flesh, the patient let out an almighty cry of pain. But once the needle had passed through, he seemed unnaturally calm. How was that? asked the doctor. Fine, replied the patient to gasps from the audience. It's just like you said. I remember you putting the needle through me, but I don't remember any pain. So do you have any objection if I do the next stitch? Asked the doctor. Not at all. I'm not at all apprehensive, replied the patient. The doctor turned to the audience and explained. The process I have developed does not, like an anesthetic, remove the sensation of pain. What it does is prevent any memory of pain being laid down in the patient's nervous system. If you are not going to remember your momentary pain, why fear it? Our patient here shows this is not just a theoretical sophistry. You witnessed his pain, but he, having forgotten it, has no fear of repeating the experience. This enables us to conduct surgery with the patient fully conscious which in some instances is extremely useful. Now, if you will excuse me, I have more stitching to do. Okay. So the setup here, we have a doctor that has developed a means of making the sensation of pain something that is instantly forgotten. Basically, you feel it in its fullness as it's happening and then it's gone. Yep. No memory of it whatsoever. Mm-mm. You can remember the experience yep. of what happened, 
but you don't remember any experiencing any pain. So the question then lies in, is this something that's ethical? Is it ethical to inflict pain on someone or morally right or wrong to inflict pain on someone, even if they can't remember it after it's over? So, um, there's a lot to unpack right there. You know it? (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, and that's the thing with a lot of these there. I mean, you got you all, everybody out there just heard these are about a page long. That's the whole scenario. Now the author does go into some arguments for either side in the, in the text, right? They, the, there's pages that follow that that list pros and cons and reasons for and reasons against, and some talking points to kind of help you if you're wanting to discuss these, uh, we're going to leave those out. Yep. We're just going to read the setup and then kind of go with ourselves. So this one is seems to be, you know, is it morally objectionable to inflict pain even if the person that's receiving the pain doesn't remember it? So I can look at this in a couple of different ways. Um, one thing that I, I can see is um, if the patient no longer remembers the pain then can we say perhaps that that sensation is just that, just a sensation, it's there, it's gone, no big deal, um, regardless of what it is. So, I mean, we could say that it, you know, if it were pain or if it were, you know, hot or cold or if it were anything else, um, you know, the wind blowing against your skin or through your hair. Um, it, it, does it really matter that it's specifically pain? Um, the, I don't know because you also have to look at as it, um, one of the perspectives is you tie pain to suffering. And if the person is suffering through the pain as they're feeling it, yet it's gone immediately thereafter, then what? So, okay. So my problem with it is this, as set up in this scenario, my biggest issue with it is, um, it's a doctor, right? So there's a doctor that is causing this. And for me, the way I understand it, and this is a layman's understanding, but since basically ancient Greek times, Doctors have taken the Hippocratic Oath, which I don't know exactly verbatim, but basically it says you will do no harm. But wherein lies harm? What Here, What is the definition of harm? Well, I don't know what the definition of harm is, but to me, knowingly inflicting pain, whether they remember it or not, inflicting pain on someone is harm. Now I understand that sometimes to help someone, you have to hurt them. Right. I, I, I do get that, that, you know, to set a broken bone, it's going to, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. Right. But you can make the patient not have pain while you do that. Okay. So that, so this, that being said, the sensation of feeling the pain then would be the harm. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Because you could, you could, there, there are ways to make the patient not experience the pain. You okay. Could, you could give them an anesthetic. You could give them a local. You could do something to remove the pain and then treat. Okay. So let's say this then. And, um, let's say that a specific procedure being delicate in nature. Right. Um, one of the side effects possibly could be that nerve damage is done and they lose sensation in an area where knowing that they're feeling pain could possibly say, hey, we're on the right track. Is pain justified at that point? So then you know, oh, they're still feeling this. We're okay. We've not done damage. I mean, okay, I can see what you're saying there. Yeah, but... Like this guy's talking about just stitching a wound closed. Essentially, is what it sounds like. In yeah, the that's thing. all he's doing. It seems like he's just yeah stitching this dude up. It like you know if you're gonna do something like, like yes, if you need to know is the nerve functional, obviously they you have to test that. Right. But just, just to inflict pain because you can. Well, I mean, not, and they're not because not, and they're going to be not remem- remembering it. Right. Exactly. Like I don't know. To me, if it's a necessary thing. That's one thing. But like if if you're just using this as a method of treatment when right. there are other options available and you just choose to make them forget it instead of not experiencing it, it just well, seems a little bit cruel to me. I can see that, I guess. Yeah. It's it I mean but yes, if you're using it as a diagnostic tool, then I totally understand. The, they, the pain they, being there. Yeah, the pain has to be there to help you make the diagnosis and to make sure that you're not doing damage or whatever. But it's just like if, if you if you have the ability to remove the pain and you just don't. Then there's an issue. Right. I mean, you know, and, and they're talking about doing surgery with a conscious patient. That happens. Almost all brain surgery is done while the person's awake. Right. Because... A teeniest, tiniest slip up by the surgeon changes everything. Can change everything. <laughs> exactly. So the patient has to be awake so that they can tell them what they're because I've seen some of that stuff before and they're like they're like, What 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 what's happening right now? And the dude's like, I smell peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, What? <laughs> and he goes, Okay, I'm in the hippocampus or whatever because yeah. that's the sense of smell and he like moves over a little bit and he's like what about now my finger's twitching yeah. and he's like okay well that's the motor center so <laughs> I don't think so, I'd want the, a mechanic in up there you know just touching points going what's, what's happening this it's not right. not cool but okay no, but, but I mean they, they do have to do that but in those procedures your brain has no nerve impulses true you so can't you don't feel, feel anything. Right. So it would be different if every time they moved, you were like, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that would just be uh, This different. is true. This is true. So I don't know. I just, it's. <sighs> okay. So let's, let's look at it from another perspective then. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, you now have kids. <laughs> yep. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> so. Think about um, things that those kids have done around the house that have taught them lessons, like the big lessons, you know, like falling down and scraping your knee or touching the hot stove. Yeah, exactly. These are pain sensations typically that will teach you a lesson. So at that point, if the pain were completely turned off, 
or not like I wouldn't say turned off. There's no memory of that pain. Would those lessons still hold that gravity? Would no. they still be there? No, but you would remember the pain. Would you? No, you wouldn't. If you if in this in this scenario, you would not remember the pain. You would right. remember the situation. Oh, I fell down. I scraped my knee. I, this red juice is pouring out of me. But the pain that you felt when it happened, you wouldn't have a memory of, according yeah. to this guy. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, but so yeah, the, the next the memory... time would you would you scrape your knee even even more because well, there wasn't that pain sensation that taught you, hey, this hurts as well. Well, yeah. So, but, but I mean, no, but what I'm, but yeah, I don't quite get where you're going with that because so it's I, the I'm memory, saying, it's the memory of the pain that teaches you the lesson. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So would those lessons that we learn from pain ha- carry as much weight if we forgot the pain part of it? I don't think it would. No, they wouldn't. But this, this, this would only be during the procedure. Like the doctor has to turn off the memory and right. it comes back on. So it wouldn't just be when you were like running around the house. True enough. True enough. I mean, unless this, I mean, unless they basically just said, oh, you know, we could do this and you no longer will remember pain from now on. Right. I I guess in surgery, I guess. And then here's something too, okay, that I thought or that, you know, I jotted down here whenever I read through this was when we apply something like that in, in a medical setting, great. What happens when you weaponize it? Yeah. When you start creepy. handing it to soldiers and they no longer will feel the pain and they just keep going. Yeah. It, well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Cause if they don't remember it, then they have no fear of it. Which uh, might er- eliminate PTSD. Uh, possibly. Yeah. There's another, um, there is a medical condition uh, that I'm, I'm look, I saw it on house and I can't remember the name of it. I think it's called SEPA. Yeah. Congenital insensitivity to pain and anhydrosis. It, it's yeah, it's called CIPA SEPA. Um, it's a disease that people very rare disease, but the people who have it cannot feel pain. They they have they have sensation they have a sense of touch they have a sense of smell taste everything but they don't feel pain so a, a lot of these people unfortunately don't live full seventy year lifespans because something they die they 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 have no sensation of pain they don't so they can't tell when they have a fever they don't feel hot. They, they, they could, their stomach hurts. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Or they're, they're, their stomach never hurts. They never feel cramps. They never, they could, uh, literally chop off a finger. And if they don't look down and see the finger gone and the blood spurting out, they never know that they chopped their finger off. Yeah. I can see where that could be very, and, very dangerous. Yeah. So if you're removing, like you're saying with the, the memory cause learning the lesson, and that's what happens with these people is they never learn to avoid danger because it's it doesn't hurt them. Right. I mean, it does, but they just don't know it does. Like they could be walking on a broken foot and never know that they have a broken foot. They could. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Uh, so it it, 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 like you're, I just, I don't know, because like if you turn that off, you're like depriving the person of 
core. Yeah, yeah, you part really of are. being human. Exactly, you are. You you literally have switched off the alert zone, the alert, the the red lights going off in your brain. Oh, pain sensation, don't do that, or pain sensation, there's something wrong. Yeah. So, so if you, I mean, even if you've got to the point where, like in in this scenario, where the doctor is able to turn it off for a finite amount of time. I still don't think it would I don't guess it would be morally right because if you can completely remove the sensation altogether unless it's a medical diagnostic that is being used to measure something else I can see where probably the morality of that is not necessarily good. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that's just that's my personal feeling is that it, I mean yes, if you have to ha- if the patient has to experience pain yes. in order to resolve whatever the issue is that you're treating okay then yeah that's better than just making them suffer uh true and and i think that's i think what this would be would be the removing of suffering okay because yes they still experience the pain but it's not a traumatic event for them right so they don't dwell on it like it doesn't it, it doesn't make them suffer. Right. Like, like they're just like, ow, oh, that hurt. And okay, then something, well, that's over. T- something too. Okay. So, um, when you, when you, when you experience pain, if it's something that's finite and quick, it's there, it's gone, or it's there, it, you know, it, it's, it's an event that takes place and it happens and it's, it goes away. Then yeah, you can learn that lesson from that, but, and that may be a traumatic event that's immediate. But when you start to, throw in that suffering do you start looking at prolonged pain so like i don't know like you're talking about the guy walking around on a broken foot um doesn't necessarily know it's broken that's one thing but let's say the guy that broke his foot doesn't get it treated and it's prolonged pain and it never grows back properly it never is set and then he's suffering for a long amount of time you know that's that's another one of those things where you know, in a situation where this guy is able to just take that memory and do away with it would not be helpful whatsoever. And the suffering part of it is just, I think that's, that's where you start to get into that prolonged pain. Um, cause I mean, I've, I've been hurt, you know, no big deal. Right. But if it's something that lingers, that's where really the suffering really takes place. <laughs> Right. Um, so yeah, I can see. I don't know. It's it's it. This is one of those things where it's so subjective. The the the. I guess the morality of it is so subjective, but I don't know. I just I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. I don't. I just feel like it's not cool. No, like I just I don't really agree with it. I don't think. Uh, I just don't think it's okay, especially for a physician and the Hippocratic Oath and do no harm. I mean, if you had, like like I said, if you have to, okay. But yeah. the way that, that it's written out here to me makes it feel more like it, it, you know, well, I can do it and they won't remember it, so it's okay. I mean, that's kind of what it like. That's a sociopath. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it seems a little sociopathic to me to just. 
you yeah. know, Jason Bateman from American Psycho kind of thing. It's just like, it's not really okay, though, just because you can and you can get away with it. Like, this is true. Yeah, I just don't feel like it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess I agree with that to an extent. Um, I still have to say, though, like, with pain, it, it, it being such a subjective thing, I mean... I know before we started all this, I was talking about like, you know, it's just a sensation. It's just like being hot or cold or like what I was said before. I hate being tickled. I'd rather punch somebody. I'd rather feel pain than tickle because I hate it. I hate it. So, I mean, I don't know. Right. But would it make it better if you didn't remember being tickled and I could just tickle you and you wouldn't remember it? Probably. I wouldn't want to punch you. (laughs) But you would while it was happening. You just well, wouldn't remember it later. This might be true. And then so, you might need to have that whole pain thing turned off because I'd punch you. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I guess, yeah, but that's what I'm exactly. But would that make it better if you just didn't remember it and I tickled you anyway? No. Like, <laughs> to make you the, the, the sociopath, the right. psychopath. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just feel like, I, to me, I feel like that's it. Yeah. That is the core of this one for sure. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so after the whole pain thing, we have another one that we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, <laughs> this one is number 83, and this one has to do with, um, you know, doing unto others as you would do you'd have done unto you type thing. Right. Um, it's the golden rule is what this one is called. I thought that's when you peed on somebody. Uh, that's oh no, that's a golden shower. shower. Yeah, yeah, that's a totally different. That's, that's my bad. Hey, that's that's an episode that we definitely don't want to do. So anyway, <laughs> we've got way too much sensitive equipment for that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all right. So here's the setup on this one. Constance had always tried to observe the golden rule of morality: do as you would do, do as you would be done by, or as Kant rather in it inelegantly put it, act only on that maxim through which you can at the same time will that it should become a universal law. Effectively, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, however, she is sorely tempted by something that would seem to go against that principle. She has the chance to run off with the husband of her best friend taking their entire family fortune with them. On the face of it, that would not be doing as she would be done by. But, she reasoned, things are more complex than that. When we lock up a criminal, we are not saying we should also be locked up. We are saying that we should be locked up if we were in that circumstance as the criminal. The proviso is crucial. Context is all. So the question she should be asking herself is this. Can she will that it should become a universal law that people in her circumstance should run off with their best friend's husband and fortune? Put like that, the answer seems to be yes. She's not saying adultery and asset stripping are usually good, only that in her specific circumstance they are. So that's settled then. She can run away with a clear conscience. All right. So this golden rule runs through every religion and every philosophy under the sun. Right. Yeah. Um, And from Confucius to 
Hinduism to Islam to Christianity. Everything. They all have a version of this golden rule. Absolutely. So the question becomes, to what degree do we apply that rule? (laughs) (laughs) Or can you apply the rule at all? Very much so. Uh, You know, because if you apply... Like like the like the author stated right there. If you apply the rule universally without question, then you couldn't punish a criminal. No, because you would want anybody to punish you. Nope, you couldn't. Uh, so I mean, there has to be shades of the rule. <laughs> you have to have fifty shades of the golden rule. <laughs> I guess that would be a good way of putting it. <laughs> like. And, and so, you know, I can see where they're going. Like, it's, this one's a real, like, just logic puzzle, honestly, because it's it's how well can you argue your case? Yes, it uh, really is. And that's really what it boils down to, because like they said, <clears throat> you know, in her specific situation, is it okay to run away with her best friend's husband? And their well, assets, yes. Okay, so you might just say, no, it's never okay to run away with somebody's husband. Okay. And, and okay, then that's your application of the rule because you wouldn't want somebody to run away with your husband. But what if his wife is out sleeping around with every man in town, blowing all of his money on drugs, and neglecting her family and her duties as a wife? Is it okay then to take him away and treat him and him and whatever family he has better than the the wife he has now? So I think the question there is how do the circumstances inform the decision? That should be I guess what applies to outside the rule because obviously you know, like it says, running away with someone's husband is is bad. That's not something that you do. You don't take off with her with the husband. You don't take off with their assets. That's just not the way you want someone to treat you. So why would you do that? However, right. like you say, let's say that the circumstances are that the wife is out doing her thing, and you are removing this person and his family and their assets from a bad situation. You have then let circumstances inform your decision making and guide you in that so i don't know i mean that's that's kind of what i see in this the 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 overarching thing is you can't look at this as just a rule it can't be a finite laid in stone thing like you say 50 shades of it has to apply because this is one of those situations where there are so many factors that will change a decision or, or influence a decision or, you know, that, that's the, that's the underlying, (laughs) I think, morale, moral focus of this exercise is how do you apply this to a situation? Well, okay. But then, I mean, if you're going to go with that kind of an argument, which don't get me wrong, I agree with you. But <laughs> it, to discuss, we have to have something to discuss. So, if you're going to go with that kind of argument, then how can you say that any rule should be applicable at all times? I mean, 
Well, we, you know, like, like, I mean, it, obviously it, we don't, we can't say that because I think that in this, in that situation, every rule has to have that informed decision. So let's take the extreme here. Okay. Um, what they, what you, we, we were, ta- I think we were saying that if you were, if a criminal, you know, mass murderer is right. locked up, we wouldn't want that done to us. Right. Absolutely. But you take that criminal and you stick him in a uniform and you put him on a battlefield fighting against your enemy and he kills the same number of people. We give him a medal and say, good job and pat him on the back. We don't lock him up. Those decisions, those circumstances inform how we treat that person. So, I mean, you can't apply any specific rule in concrete every single time the exact same way because the circumstances inform it, right? But you have to have rules. You do. And there are societal rules that you follow, but they're bent and broken all the time. Right. But but, but typically the people that bend and break those rules get punished. Sometimes. I mean, unless you're a huge American corporation, then nothing ever <laughs> happens to you. But anyway, so then where do we draw the line? I guess really is what we need to look at, right? So, so are you saying that you shouldn't try to follow the golden rule? Um, It's not really what I'm saying so much. I'm saying to what degree do I follow the golden rule? I'm not going to go out and blatantly do something to someone and just because I can, you know, just being an ass. That's not, that's not good. Okay. But I mean, on the other hand, I don't know. I guess I I really, I don't know. (laughs) All right. So for me, this whole argument of this specific one is a bit pedantic. I think that's the right word. Now I've got to look that word up because I'm not exactly sure what it means and I just said it. So, Okay. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. And I didn't even know that that's what that word meant. But okay, cool. Okay. Uh, so pedantic, if anybody else didn't know because I said it and didn't really know what it means, is uh, it's characterized by a narrow, often ostentatious concern for academic knowledge and formal rules. So what we're doing here is a bit pedantic. We're just, (laughs) and I think a lot of these things might be that way, but, uh, you know, I think, I think personally the golden rule is a good way to try to live, try to treat everybody the way you want to be treated. And I think for me saying that is more of like a positive way so it's a way to remind myself not to be a jerk more than a, a hard rule that never ever do anything to somebody that I wouldn't want done to me it's more of a way for me to remind myself to try to be nice so it's a generalization rather than a specific rule well I so I think for like like I said for me it's a thing that I try to apply in a positive manner not a negative manner so for me, it's because I, <laughs> so I've had a few of my female friends 
recommend lately that I should read Jane Austen. So I'm trying to read. I'm listening to the audiobook. That's the way I read. Sorry. Uh, but I'm, I'm listening to the audiobook right now. <clears throat> and a lot of that book is about, uh, well, God, what's that lady? Miss Manners or whatever. You know, you have to do the things in a certain way and a certain thing. Uh, yeah. You don't offend anybody and you have to present such and such like you can't just walk up and say hi to somebody you have to be introduced by somebody that knows them and like there's all these rules right and there's but there's a character rules of proper society yeah exactly because it said (laughs) you know it's it's in england it's i think victorian times everything is uppity property proper you know snooty uh what's that tv show everybody's losing their mind about two years ago Uh, yeah uh, i know upstairs and downstairs yeah british society anyway um it's it's kind of that vein of society, but there's a character in there. Uh, I don't really, I haven't, I'm not very far into the book, so forgive me if I'm just way off base later on in the book. Just keep in mind I'm only on like chapter twenty. Uh, but there's a character in there named Mister Darcy. Okay. So far, I feel that if I were a character in this book, I would be Mister Darcy. <laughs> He's very aloof. And I don't mean that, but I, I, he's honest, he's sincere, but he's, he's not overly polite. He's, they, they all perceive him as short and stuck up and too good for anybody. That's in the book. That's not really the way I perceive him, but that's the way they perceive him because to me, it sounds more like he just kind of stays to himself. Yeah. He's quiet. He doesn't interact a lot with other people. If they ask him a question, he answers the question and goes back to what he was doing. So like if he's reading a book, somebody says like, oh, I haven't read that book. What's it about? And he would be like, like if, you know, this pig wants to be eaten, he would just be like "Uh, philosophy and then go back to reading his book. (laughs) And to them, they're saying like, oh, he's so rude. He never talks. He just. But to me, that's the way I am typically. Like I, I don't. It's not an intent to be dismissive or short that's but like if you ask me a question i will answer the question without the bunch of banter that goes along with it right like you want (laughs) you want information this is the information you desired yeah there you go okay i'm gonna go back to doing what i was doing now yeah it's not that i it's not it's not my way of trying to blow you off it's not my way of trying to be rude that's just the way i am like i if you ask me another question i'll answer that question I may not enter into a dialogue with you. I may just answer your question and go back to what I was doing. So that, to me, I perceive myself as Mr. Darcy. And so for me to do unto others as you would have them do unto you and all that, I try to use it as more of a positive affirmation as like, oh, they're trying to talk to me. I need to try to talk to them because if I was trying to start a conversation with somebody and I got that, I would want them to talk, not just right. two words and back to what they were doing. So for me, when I apply the golden rule in my head, it's always in more of a way of like, don't be a jerk, like try to, you know, it's, I can see that. I, I mean, I can understand that because in, in, in the argument against it here, the author is stating yeah, oh, you wouldn't want somebody to punish you. Well, to me, that's doing applying it in a negative manner. True. Like, 
like I try to think what would I want someone to do? Effectively, and, you are, you know, what if the shoe were on the other foot? Right. I don't, I, but I don't, I don't try to apply, oh, I wouldn't want that. So, so I'm not going to do that. Right. It's I always try of, to think, I'm going to do this because. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, that's, that's just, I mean, I think that's just in, uh, you know, an optimist and pessimist type, you know, filter effectively that you're looking at that through. Um, which is perfectly fine. That, that works. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess for myself, if I'm applying the golden rule, mm-hmm. um, I, I think with, with my thoughts is I'm going to treat people the way that I would like to be treated. So like, um, I'm going to be friendly and outgoing. I've always done that. I mean, I, I don't meet strangers. That's not a thing for me. Um, so, um, and, but now I also, I don't expect that back because I've been around enough people and been around crowds and, and groups enough to know that there is no, there's, there's not going to be another person that will respond to me the way that I respond to them. Simply because, you know, everyone's an individual. But still, um, I think that's the big thing with me is it just how do I approach someone and um, how do I treat that person? That's how I apply the golden rule. Um, I'm not going to I don't like being I don't like confrontation. I don't like being, you know, you know, a butt or rude or anything like that. So, I mean, I do the same. I I, I expect that or I, I guess I apply that. So that way, hopefully, I get that in return. So, and I think another way for me personally, I think the golden rule, the way I read it, perceive it, is more to be applied on a personal level. Absolutely. That like, I wrote actually wrote that down in my note. Who is to say what makes that decision the right one? It's a personal thing. Oh no. I, not exactly where I'm going, or not where I'm trying to go. It's it. Uh, I'm having trouble articulating. Um, I don't think the golden rule should be applied societally. Like a person who kills someone can't be punished because you wouldn't want to be punished. That's like, that's like a societal application of the golden rule. Okay. I think the golden rule is more of a personal. Like I shouldn't punch you in the face. Because I don't want to be punched in the face. Okay. Like, it's more like, to me, the way I I would try to apply it would be more of a a one-to-one, a person-to-person application, not not a society-to-one-person application. I can see that as well, yeah. You you know, like, it's, it's... Because we, ultimately, we do have to have those rules of society that make society function right even even though you might not like to you wouldn't want to go to prison so but but that doesn't not necessarily mean that someone doesn't need to be in prison exactly exactly (laughs) there there are instances where people need to be away from other people yes uh, and not by their own choice right so it's 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 a necessity i think and and so for me i think it's the, the golden rule is to be applied on a personal person to person 
level, not on like a societal, yeah, huge public level. Like we're you know we as a group have can't decide that That's you like, as an individual. I mean, to me, that sounds like you know these these um, way out there utopian societies that are supposed to be like these perfect models of everything that just, that just doesn't exist. You know what I'm saying? Right. These, these idealized things that just aren't real. It yeah. can't. Yeah, you, that would be like if you could apply that rule over a society, then that would be utopia if everyone followed it. But you're not going to have everyone following it. Right. And in the instance where someone doesn't, there needs to be a method to deal with that. Yes. And so that's where I think that's where I think this. That's where I disagree with the way they posit it here. Yes. Emmanuel Kant worded it that way, whatever. Like that's his thought experiment that we're talking about. But the way the experiment <laughs> is posited, I feel kind of rubs me the wrong way personally because like I said, I think the golden rule isn't really meant. And and like you said, it's been in Chinese, yeah, it's Indian, everywhere. America, England, Europe. Asia, like everywhere has some version of the golden rule. And I don't think it's ever been stated in those as like, this is how society should behave. Yeah. I think it's always like, this is how you, you should be, should try to behave. So for me, like I said, yeah. it just, if, uh, yeah. So Constance, if you're out there and you want to run off with the dudes and, and his money and everything like that, it's your personal choice. Go ahead and do that. If you feel like you're okay with it. And yeah. And, well, and <laughs> but I mean, now if some, if he, if he decides that he's going to run off with someone and leave you behind, be okay with that. Cause that, that's, I mean, it's right. Karma's and, out there. <laughs> yeah. Constance, watch out for karma. Because Earl will tell you she can be a bitch. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> that's funny, though. Yeah. So anyway, that's two of our hundred uh, thought experiments. Yeah. For the armchair philosopher. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, it's been fun. We're going to have to do this again, like pretty soon. But yeah. I like I say, I think next within the next few episodes, I think we should maybe try to do maybe a couple of the crazy conspiracy theories. None of the political ones, just some crazy ones that are out there. <laughs> political okay. ones. I like to stay away from politics, kind of, at least on this. <laughs> well, I, okay. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> All right. So if you want to find us, there are multiple ways to do so. Mm-hmm. The Obviously, like you've probably seen the link because you've been scrolling through Facebook. So www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash two minds podcast. That's where you can find this episode and all of our past episodes. If you just click that link, you can get right into all of that good stuff. Right. Right. Uh, If you want to reach out to us directly, you can message us via that group page. You can also send us an email. That email address is two minds podcast at gmail.com yep um you can listen to this episode and every episode that we have on our host site two minds dot and then mm-hmm. you can also find us on spotify but you have to be very specific and put quotations around our names yeah. jason claywell or jeremy ham and you can find us that way yeah and then there's that last one that little bird that just tweets everywhere it did tweet at us did it tweet at we us? got a tweet i don't have I'm, yeah so bob 
Yeah. From, oh yeah. Yeah. From brother, brother Bob, brother, a brother squirrel, yeah, a brother from, brother squirrel, yeah, from brother squirrel. <laughs> actually, tweeted at us before we recorded the episode where we said nobody uses Twitter. Really? <laughs> yeah. Ah, love so you, Bob. They, yeah. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> they had they actually had a down some downtime because of scheduling conflicts. So he tweeted, "Hey, we're not going to have an episode, but you guys should go totally check out Two Minds." <laughs> And Way to go, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but anyway, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, it's at Two Minds Podcast. Uh, shoot us a message if you like. We would be glad to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. And if you have any uh, like ideas for episodes or things you want us to talk about or things you'd like to talk about, you know, we're even like you know open to bringing people in the studio here to with us. We'd love to have someone sit down with us and talk with us. So. Yeah, it has been known to happen on occasion. Yep. If we can figure out the technology, maybe. We'll- Good. Yeah.